Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. As we look at the reality of the chasing of the Lord, we face it with faith and obedience. You've got these things going on in your life, and the devil's whispering in your ear saying, God doesn't love you. That's why this is happening. The reality is God does love you, and that's why this is happening. He loves you so much that he's not going to let you continue down this path. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 5 through 13, in a message titled, The Chastening of the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Brian. They lost position. In some cases, they lost persons in the sense of, you know, relationships maybe were broken as a result. And so these are the kinds of things that can happen when we're going through a time of chastisement. Also, sickness would be another means by which God might chasten us at times. As we go, like I said earlier through the Psalms, as David said, before I was afflicted, I think what he's talking about there is some sort of sickness. And there's several Psalms that seem to indicate that there was a sickness involved in David's particular sufferings. So persecution, loss of possession, position, relationships, sickness, these are all the things that sometimes can be the means through which God disciplines us. But again, for clarification, I'm not saying that when you're persecuted or sick or you lose your possession position, that always means that it's a, that it's a chastisement. It doesn't always mean that, but it can mean that. So that's why we have to be honest uh, when these things are happening to us. We have to be honest and we have to look at our own hearts and we have to ask God to search our hearts to say, Lord, you know, what is at the root of this? What is, what is behind this? Are you trying to correct me? Now, sometimes it's pretty obvious. We know it. And, it and it becomes crystal clear immediately. These things start happening. We already know that we've got issues, that we're in sin in certain areas, and we, may, we connect those dots. Okay, this is, yeah, this is because of that, and we get things right. But sometimes it's not that easy, and that's why we need to think it through. We need to pray about it and consider it and... You know, there, there are times when it might be a little more difficult to draw that conclusion, but that is indeed the case. So chastening is painful, but the objective, of course, is to always bring us back into the right place. Whenever we think of discipline, whether it's God disciplining us or let's say church discipline. Church discipline is something that's not talked too much about today. But you know, there's a place in scripture where discipline is to take place in the context of the church, the body of Christ. When people sin, and not just sin because we all sin, but when people are in open disobedience to God, open revolt to God's authority in his word, there are times when church leaders are called upon to discipline people. Sometimes that discipline is manifested in uh, 
it's an older term, but you know, the idea of an excommunication, it's, it's really the picture of somebody being set outside the, the community for a season so they can repent. Now, here's my point. My point is this, though. Discipline, whether it's God disciplining us directly or discipline in the context of the church, the objective is always restoration. God disciplines us always with the objective of restoration. He, he disciplines us always with the ultimate objective of blessing. And so that brings us to our third point. God's discipline is for our benefit. It's always to benefit us in the end. It's always to bring us back into the place of communion with him. It's always to bring us back to the place of blessing that we've fallen out of because of our disobedience. And he says that here. Notice, he says regarding the human fathers uh, who corrected us and we paid them respect, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he, listen, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. So no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So this is God's objective. He disciplines us with the objective of restoring us, bringing us back into that place as he puts it here, that we might be partakers of his holiness, that there might result from this chastening the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So discipline is never from God or, or should never be from church leadership with the motivation of you know, a, a total and complete rejection of the person. It should always be with the bigger objective of seeing them restored, seeing them brought back into communion with the body of Christ, seeing them brought back into that place where they are being blessed and are uh, in turn a blessing to others. And, and I say that because whenever there's a necessity, and I'm, I'm speaking here on the, on the level of the church, whenever there's a necessity for discipline, people can sometimes have the wrong view of it and think that it's just you know, harshness on the part of leadership. Oh, that's so harsh. That's so, that's so cruel. Why would, you, why would you tell that person? I've had this question asked to me before, you know, when we've had at times to discipline people over the years by saying, you know, at, at this season in life, you need to just not be part of this fellowship until you can get these things sorted out in your life. And people then come and say, well, that's, that's harsh, that's cruel. How could you be so unkind to a person as to do that? But that's never the motive, or it should never be the motive. No, we're doing this just like a parent disciplining the child. We're doing this for their benefit. We're doing this for their profit. We're doing this because this is going to hopefully cause them to realize how serious this offense is. It's going to cause them to get things right with the Lord, to get things right with people around them. It's going to cause them ultimately to get back to the place that they want to be. That's what this is always about. God disciplines us 
for our own benefit. Unlike earthly fathers who, you know, occasionally just discipline out of the fact that, you know, I'm going to just do this because it's going to be better for me if this kid is not acting like this. God's greater concern is with us. It's, it's for their benefit that the discipline is going to come, that we might be partakers of his holiness. The idea here is that we would, as a result of the correction, that we would enjoy a deeper communion with God, partaking of his holiness, enjoying a deeper communion with him, being more conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, and that as a result also there would be the peaceable fruit of righteousness. See, righteousness is what God is wanting to bring out of this. Correcting those areas of our life where unrighteousness has perhaps been more the manifestation of our hearts. Now he wants to correct that and produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So since this is the case, how are we to respond? That's what he tells us in verses 12 and 13. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. What he's saying is, and he's, he's just using this picturesque language, we're not to be despondent when God chastens us. We're not to despair when God chastens us. We're to embrace the chastening. We're to recognize that it's through this that God is going to restore us. He's going to bring about healing. So the, the hands that hang down in despondency, the knees that are feeble in despair, the feet that are, are taking us in, in the wrong direction, no. He, the call is really to faith and obedience that will bring about the healing that God is wanting to see happen in our lives. So we accept it as from the Lord, knowing that this is a manifestation of God's love for me. You know, we, when we talk about the love of God, we rarely include the chastening of the Lord. When we think about the love of God, many times we just think about it in such a, for lack of a better way to express it, you know, we think of it in a mushy sense. You know, how many people are there today that just think in terms of, well, you know, well, God loves me. And what that means is God wants the best for me. And what that means is that, you know, whatever makes me feel good is really what, what it's primarily all about. And so God in his love, he's just, he just wants me to do whatever makes me feel best. And he's, he's just loving and patient and compassionate and kind and good. And he is loving and patient and compassionate and kind and good. He's all of those things. But in that love, he's also a strict disciplinarian, because that's real love. That's true love. 
You know, if a parent says they love their child, but they don't protect their child, what kind of love is that? If a parent says they love their child and they see their child going down a path of destruction and they don't seek to correct them, is that really love? No, it's not. It's sentimentality, it's something, whatever it is, it's not real love. But in our mindset today, and, and this is common among Christians today. This isn't just the world's mentality. You, you hear Christians all the time saying, well, you know, and I, I've heard this over and over again, people living in sin, and when they're called on it, they say, hey, you know, don't talk to me about that because I know that God loves me. Well, God loves you, I agree. But if you're really his child, expect to be disciplined because part of God's love is correction. Part of God's love is discipline. You know this is a fact. It could be a scientific fact. It's, it's definitely a fact from the sociological, psychological side of things. Children, well, we use the term, it's very appropriate. What is a spoiled child? A child is a, a, a spoiled child is a child that's never been disciplined. What does it mean spoiled? It means they're, they're wrecked. That's what, to, something that's spoiled is ruined, it's wrecked. And that's what oftentimes happens when a parent takes no interest in the ultimate well-being of the child, refusing to discipline them, we say that, well, that's, that child is spoiled. They've been ruined because they've never been corrected. God loves you too much to let you go uncorrected. His love for you is so deep and it's so thorough and it's so real that for you and me as his children, if we are drifting into sin, if we're turning away from him, if we're moving toward the path of destruction, he's going to intervene and he's going to discipline us to save us from spoiling, to save us from the wreckage that we would bring upon ourselves. So rather than despising the chastening of the Lord, rather than being despondent in the face of chastisement, rather than despairing over the fact that God's correcting us, we ought to be welcoming it. That's what the author is saying. Strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. In other words, suck it up. Realize this is for your benefit. God's helping you right now. You see, this is something that I don't think ever crossed the minds of these Hebrews at the, until this moment. They, they probably never thought for a moment that their problems were partially due to God himself intervening and dealing with them. So he opens their eyes. You've, you've forgotten this element. He lets them know. He reminds them. You know, as I think about my own life as a Christian, you know, I, I can think of points in my life where I would have to say that God disciplined me. He chastened me. And I would readily say as well that it was painful. It was not joyful at all. But I can say with you know, hindsight now, it, it did what God intended it to do. It yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness. I remember one specific situation where 
there was definitely a chastening from the Lord that, that you know, came upon me. And I recognized it at a certain point and it was such an unpleasant thing. I, I wanted desperately to be out from under that, that discipline, but you know, I could see clearly enough to know as well that what was happening needed to happen. And so I remember this one moment, it's over 30 years ago, but I remember one moment very clearly saying, Lord, I, I understand that this is discipline and I don't like it and I wish I could be freed from it, but don't stop it until you have dealt with this thing in me because I, I, I want to go, I just want to move on from this. And whether or not the prayer had anything to do with it, God did just that. He just kept the fire up for a good season. And, you know, like I said, looking back with hindsight, I could see that that was a, an act of discipline on his part that brought about the desired result, the correction that needed to take place in my life. So as we look at this, the reality of the chastening of the Lord, we face it with faith and obedience with faith in God's love. You've got these things going on in your life and the devil's whispering in your ear saying, God doesn't love you. That's why this is happening. The reality is God does love you and that's why this is happening. He loves you so much that he's not gonna let you continue down this path. He loves you so much that he's not gonna let you get away with these things because he knows the danger he knows that they are truly detrimental and he is going to step in like a good parent would and he's gonna bring the necessary correction. So we are to, by faith, embrace it. We are to respond in obedience and the promised result is healing. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but listen, here's the wonderful truth. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Chastening doesn't go on endlessly. It's corrective. And when the correction is made, the chastening passes and the peaceable fruit of righteousness and the healing comes. We do, to some degree, have a, at least some control over the duration of chastening. The sooner you receive the correction, the sooner you can move on beyond the discipline. Don't resist. Don't persist in the, the sin that's brought the discipline. No, receive that correction. And know that as that discipline takes place and as that correction comes that afterward it will yield it will pass it won't be there indefinitely it is for a a specific time and purpose and as we respond to god in obedience that brings us through that season there's one final thing that i want to say and it's here in the text in the at the end of verse 11 when he speaks about yielding the peaceable fruit of righteousness, he says to those who have been trained by it. And there's just one other thing I wanna add as we close. 
The context is primarily about correction for sin and you know the chastening that comes in order to produce that. But there's also this slightly different element that's being spoken of here, and it's the element of training. You see, because like I said, it's not always the case that if you're suffering or you're afflicted in these different ways, if it's persecution or if it's sickness or if it's loss of whatever, it's not always the case that it's directly connected to some disobedience in your life. Sometimes it is, and that's been my point. But let's also recognize that sometimes it's not that For some people, it's rather, it's part of the training that we must go through to become stronger in our faith. And when we think of training, and of course, training, you can apply that idea to so many different possibilities, but let's just think of it in terms of physical training. The objective of physical training is physical fitness, right? And in order to become physically fit, in order to become stronger, in order to build your endurance and things like that, there's training that you must go through that's going to be challenging. It's going to be painful in many ways. But as you press through it, and as you do it, the end result is it's, it's a profit to you. You end up being fit. And so there's this other aspect that is true for us as well. You might be going through affliction, hardship, difficulty, challenges. And as you think it through and as you pray about it and you, you know, you're just like, I can't, I, I don't see that there's, that this is connected to some sin. And it might not be because it might be instead God is just using these things to strengthen you because that's what he is wanting to do. He's wanting us to be strong. He's wanting us to grow spiritually. He's wanting us to have spiritual strength. He's wanting us to have uh, endurance. He's wanting us to be trained and fit spiritually. And so if we can't, make the connection between what we're experiencing and some sin, then we need to recognize this is training. God is putting me through a program of training here that is going to, again, bring about good fruit and righteousness in the end. That, that, that's his end game with it. And so faith and obedience will produce holiness, righteousness, and will heal the things that need healing. And it's all because of God's love. So we all know God loves us. And we can all boldly say, God loves us. And we can all and should talk about the grace of God and the compassion of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. And it's all true and it's all part of his love. And let's not forget the chastening of the Lord because that's part of his love too. That shows us he really does love us.
Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with the Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. Jesus has become a stranger to today's culture. Many do not know who he truly is, and many have never even heard of him. Our culture wonders, was Jesus even a real historical person? And why does it even matter if Jesus lived at all? And if he did, what does that mean for you and me personally? These are just some of the questions that Rebecca McLaughlin tackles in her new book, Confronting Jesus. In this book, you'll learn who Jesus is and what that means for you. If you want to know more about Jesus and why knowing who he is is the most important question in life you'll ever have to answer, or if you know someone who needs to know who Jesus is, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with the Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.